Mike Seibert Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show! And welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio on Twitter and Instagram. And you're always welcome to write into the mailbag. That is Mike Seibert Radio at gmail.com. This is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. And this week, we're celebrating Crackle Fest. Returning to Hard Rock Seattle Friday, March 2nd, presented by Emerald City Comic Con. I've got interviews and music from two exceptional guests on that lineup. First up is Kyle Stevens, the mastermind behind the pioneers of nerd rock Kirby Crackle. And then later on, we'll hear from musician, comedian, writer, and actor Lucia Fasano. Plus, I'm going to let you know about some other exciting guests I've got lined up for the next few weeks on the show. All of that and more on this all-new episode of Mike Seibert Radio. But for now, let's kick things off by heading to the phones. Hey, thanks for calling Mike Seibert Radio. Hey, Mike. This is Kyle Steve. Hey, how's it going? Great, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing really, really well. The sun is shining. It's a, it's a great day to be inside a radio studio. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, man. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, uh, thanks for taking the time out today. Um, man, I got to tell you, in addition to the sunshine, there's a, there's a crackle in the air, and I think it's time for a fest. Um, obviously, we're talking about Crackle Fest 8, A Night of Nerd Rock and Comedy. That is going to be on Friday, March 2nd, at the Hard Rock in downtown Seattle, presented by Emerald City Comic Con. And, uh, you know, Kyle, I look forward to this every year. What uh, what is new and exciting for this year's show? Well, man, this year uh, de- definitely mixing it up um, with um, stand-up comedy in between um, acts. So that's going to be really fun. This past year, I really uh, tried to get some new tools for the for the case and took a bunch of improv classes, stand-up comedy classes, and I met a lot of great people. And then through that, I decided to include some of these uh, awesome folks in. Um, Crackle Fest, and in between the uh, in between the music, we're going to refresh the palette with some really fun comedy. Oh, I really like that, and that was uh, that was something I wanted to get into a little bit later. You know, like because uh, I, I I've seen you posting about your comedy, and I was uh, uh, very very interested uh, uh, to hear more about that. But let's uh, you mentioned music, and obviously, um, you know, Crackle Fest has been the premier nerd rock show in the Pacific Northwest uh, going back eight years now. Um, what can we expect in the lineup? Well, you know, this year for the first time ever, we're officially partnering with Emerald City Comic Con. Um, Crackle Fest is, you know, has been independent for eight years and it's still independent, but I'd, I'd love to bring on new partners every year. So it's just only natural that we work with uh, Emerald City Comic Con for the first year on an official level. Mm-hmm. And so they're helping to get the word out about this show. 
Um, Hard Rock is always is, is a great supporter of what I do with Craggle Fest, and so we're two blocks away from the show again this year, of course. Uh, so basically, we just want to give people a fantastic experience uh, showing what's out there in the world of nerd music and then also just the local talent that's around. And, um, you know, I think for me, it's important to keep things fresh for, for the nerd rock community and, and, and fans of what I do. And mm-hmm. so um, I like to leave people guessing and hopefully this year is an exciting new element for people. So we got Mega Ran. He's coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he was here about four years, three, four years ago. And uh, obviously, we need to get him back. He's fantastic. And for yeah. the first year, uh, Lucia Fasano will be there. And uh, she is a songwriter, singer, chanteuse from Portland. And she's wonderful. And uh, looking forward to including her as well. Yeah, fantastic. In fact, I'm going to be talking to Lucia a little later on. Really excited to get to know her a little more because her uh, her her stuff is just wonderful. I I really like that uh, that the the kind of singer songwriter uh, folksier side of uh, of nerd music, and it's uh, really good. Yeah, so happy to have her this year. Now. Um, Okay, so we we've got a, a stacked lineup. You've uh, uh, you've mentioned that Mega Ran is making his triumphant return uh, to Crackle <laughs> Fest, um, and um, have uh, have you talked about the uh, the specific comedians that will be on the bill? Kind of uh, uh, as you as you mentioned, uh, kind of cleansing the palate in between. Yeah, so it's going to be uh, Caitlin Duffy, who's a wonderful new comedian from Seattle. Uh, Scott Cavazos, Joe Curley. And Kenny Ross is going to be on the bill as well. And uh, what I love about them is they each bring a different flavor. Some of it's geeky. Some of it's just, you know, jokes about suburbia that we can all relate to. And and I think everyone's going to have about a four or five minute set. And uh, I think it's going to just be really fun. I'm really excited to to working out the logistics on that. Yeah, and you know, having having a, attended many a Crackle Fest myself, I'm really excited to see how this new dynamic adds to the show. Um, because yeah, it's it, it is one of those things where it's like in between sets, what do you kind of do? You know, usually I I make it a point to uh, refill on some of those uh, uh, themed beverages that that the bar <laughs> yeah. will be having uh, up there in uh, in the cavern room. Um, uh, so I know in the past that. Uh, uh, you've you've partnered with Hard Rock and like there's been like you know like exclusive merch you know themed specialty stuff yeah um, anything there you'd like to talk about you know we're kind of keeping that under wraps right now uh, working up some options but definitely trying to trying to get some exclusives so when people come they know they have something exciting to look forward to and take home with them for sure last year we did a big raffle uh, benefiting the ACLU uh, and so you know we're not doing that this year we're mixing it up a little differently but. Um, just trying to go with what's inspiring us at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, just enjoy keeping it fresh for everybody. And hopefully people appreciate that. Very exciting. So you, uh, uh, you mentioned earlier that this is the first time officially that, uh, that Crackle Fest and, and Kirby Crackle has partnered with Emerald City Comic Con. So not only is uh, ECCC presenting Crackle Fest, um, but tell me more about what the Music Alley is at the actual convention and what that's all about. Because I, I was just looking on their website, I'm like, Oh, oh! This this seems like this is going to be uh, very, very exciting. Uh, what what can you tell me about Music Alley? Well, uh, Music Alley is the brainchild of Taylor Eastman, uh, who works for uh, the Reed Pop uh, Corporation, who owns Emerald City, and Mike Miller. 
And um, ever since, I think since October, Taylor and I have been going back and forth about, you know, Emerald City's involvement with Crackle Fest 8. Mm-hmm. And that's expanded into what they wanted to do to look into ways to uh, support the nerd music community in Seattle. So this is the first time uh, a read pop organization show has ever done something like Music Alley. It's just going to be peripheral to Artist Alley officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a, another little section close, but it's going to be about eight different musical acts all in the same cove. Kind of like, think like Podcast Row, how that used to be. Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. I, uh, or, I, or, or how it is. Right, right, definitely. Okay, so it'll be so, kind of like in that same cove on the sixth floor adjacent to Artist Alley then? Correct, correct. So that's going to be really fun. Um, you know, as, as we know, we've talked about the years, nerd music has just kind of always existed on the peripheral to mm-hmm. these shows and everyone's done their own kind of thing, to which people still continue to do. But I really give kudos to Taylor and the ECC team um, for, for supporting nerd music and trying to do something different. So it's been very exciting and I'm really looking forward to seeing how their their fan base responds to that. Um, and not only that, there will be a stage right across from Music Alley for people to do uh, performances throughout the day. Oh. So that's going to be a brand new thing as well. So not only Crackle Fest is happening, um, if you want to see Crackle Fest and uh, you want to see like a the big rock show, go to Crackle Fest. If you additionally want to stop by and see kind of more of a stripped down set from all these different groups, that's going to be happening at the stage throughout the day on Saturday and Sunday. Oh, that's way cool. You know, yeah. I, I I remember, uh, I don't remember how many years ago it was. Uh, uh, I, I'm getting a lot of gray in, in my beard, and I'm uh, forgetting how long ago it was. But one of my fondest memories from Comic-Con was seeing a, uh, a Kirby Crackle acoustic set, where it was yeah. just you and a guitar. There was a little bit of Q&A. Um, but, yeah, just playing the hits. And, and that's uh, that's actually one of my favorite performances of yours. I just, I just the, the it was in a small, panel room it was very intimate um and i i think if even um some of that energy transmits over to this uh the new music alley area and the stage i i think a lot of folks are going to be exposed to some really cool stuff yeah i'm excited with, with what uh you know lucia and death star and and uh rock paper cynic uh peter Tchaikovsky, his um uh, his music, that's all going to be featured on that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what I'm going to be doing is doing solo performances. I'll do an acoustic one one day, and then I'll do kind of like the full band backing track, more uh, hip hoppy stuff another day. So hopefully keep it fresh for people. Uh, and then also this Kirby Crackle concert by itself in the celeb on, um, uh, floor, on the sixth floor as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on for families. If you're not able to see Crackle Fest and you have little ones, I know it's really hard to get to something like that. Uh, don't fret because there are ways to get your music experience throughout the day at the show. Awesome. And and one of the things I I really enjoy about that space is that it really encourages passerbys to, to check things out. Um, yeah. You know, just because like the stage being, you know, kind of right across from the alley, you know, like uh, uh, people be, you know, getting their books signed, getting autographs, sketches, whatnot. And I, I really like the idea of being able to have that space filled with the best nerd music in the Pacific Northwest and just catching ears of people walking by, getting looks um, and all that. So I, I think that's going to be uh, I, I just think that's going to be really, really cool for all of you guys. Yeah, it's only going to be a good thing. And it's like, you know, the first year is, is you know, 
they run a tight ship and I'm sure it'll only get tighter after this. We learn so much every mm-hmm. time we do a new, a new approach like this. So I'm just, uh, I'm very positive about it. And I think it's just going to be really fun for discovery and connecting people uh, with artists that are also trying to get their music out there. <laughs> awesome. And, and just as a, a, a side note, like I've uh, I've done stuff with uh, uh, Death Star before and I'm yeah. I, I'm I'm wondering how uh, how much of their stuff they're going to actually be able to do uh, out there on the show floor, because as we all know, they, uh, they they get a little blue from time to time. They get a little blue, and that's what, and that's what I love about them. Yeah, but I know they're also, but I know they're also capable of their family show, quote unquote. So uh, I think that's what they're going to be doing, maybe for this. I would assume. Nice, very, very cool, and yeah, I've, uh, um, I, I haven't had a whole lot of exposure to Rock Paper Cynic, but I'm uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, PDX broadsides are are uh, fantastic, and of course, the queen of the two hundred six, uh, Shubzilla, she'll be there with uh, with Bill Beats, and that's. Really I'm trying to get more people calling her that. So I'm glad that you do. Thank you very much. She just kind of rolls her eyes every time I say it. I said, I've, I've heard four other people say that. <laughs> well, you know, once upon a time, I actually had that in a rotating commercial for uh, uh, for a show. I think it was like a, like a Cinco de Mayo show or something that, you know, like we did with KGRG back in the day. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was like, and the queen of the 206, Shubzilla. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Say it because it's true. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Okay, so we've um, we're kind of bearing the lead a little bit here because, like, we've been talking about all of these other exciting acts and all of the uh, artists that are going to be in and around uh, Music Alley uh, as part of Emerald City Comic Con. We've talked about the artists that will be uh, performing at Crackle Fest Eight, um, but we haven't talked a whole lot about Kirby Crackle itself. What's a uh, what's new with you guys? Dude, a lot of changes in the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some new band members. Some band members uh, to the live band have, have moved on, and I've got some new guys playing with me when I have live band shows. Um, and so it's kind of a, a little bit more of a stripped-down deal at the moment, uh, but I think that's also kind of really renewed um, excitement for playing live to me because mm-hmm. it's really kind of forced, forced us to focus on, like, okay, what are the important melodies on said song to cover? Right. So uh, yeah. we're currently not using a keyboardist, but it's actually kind of made it a little more raw. And that's pretty fun. Um, I'm back on guitar for this show. So I'm excited about that. Nice. And that's been a while since I've gotten to do that at our mm-hmm. shows uh, since I had our secondary guitar player play with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so excited to bring that. Um, we're working on with some new performance uh, lights and stuff like that. So we're really trying to bring more of a show uh, than I have in local in, in peers, excuse me, in years past. Um, in the past year, we went to Australia. That was really fun, and uh, we were one of the headliners of the Disney um, uh, stage at D23 in Anaheim in uh, in July, and that was very exciting to be yeah. a part of all that and, and the debut of the Infinity War trailer and everything else that was going on there. So uh, it was a really busy last spring and summer, and then just kind of regrouping in the fall and kind of looking ahead to, to what's going on in 2018 and and getting my plan with that. So it's been a lot of refocusing, but also that's good in keeping things fresh, I think. I, there's there's something cool about, you know, just being kept on your toes, you know, always having yeah. to, you know, figure out what the next hustle is and how to, as you keep mentioning, to uh, keep things fresh. Um, it's always good to have a, a renewed, uh, fresh perspective on things. 
Yeah, it's, it's good. At, at the time, sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but I think in <laughs> retrospect it is. You know, it's one of those things. Well, but, um, you know, been doing that and, and also just kind of, you know, as we talk about, I think every year the landscape of convention changes so much, right. you know. And then, and then where do you fit in that as an independent artist? And, and, and shows come and go, and, and then great opportunities come, like this new Music Alley thing, mm-hmm. and then looking to expand on that. And, and comics, and as comic culture has become pop culture over the past you know nine years I've been doing this now, it's, right. it's been such a shift. And then also kind of repositioning, okay, where do you belong in this? So that's a lot of what I have to uh, kind of navigate a lot of the time. Yeah, you know, and and speaking of, I just I just thought about this. I um, uh, saw a post you put up recently. It was uh, it was you and Jim, and it was at at an old show uh, way back in the day. And uh, man, babies, babies. Man, we've gotten old. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like nine years ago. You uh-huh. know, and Jim and I started Kirby Crackle, and then and then. Uh, and then he exited in 2013, and that even feels like a long time ago. But 2009 right. feels like a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. So I, we're coming up on 10 years here next year, so I'm going to have to do something special for that, I think. Um, so let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. You know, like you mentioned, uh, you know, like some uh, growth opportunities and new uh, new projects that you've been working on. Um, I, I want to hear uh, more about your uh, stand-up work that you've been working on. Oh, yeah, thanks for asking, man. Um well, you know, it's like I'm always kind of looking for, for ways to push myself in, in performance. And uh, I just kind of looked at, you know, what really scared me, like the idea of, of doing something in performance that made me feel uncomfortable where getting up on stage and playing guitar doesn't really do that for me anymore. It's really fun, but it doesn't make it doesn't kind of put me on edge. And so, yeah. uh, you know, the idea of doing stand up was like that because it always terrified me. So I signed up for a, a local class taught by a, a great local comedian, now retired Peter Gray. Mm. And they just throw you in the fire, man. It's like it's a four week class where, you know, Wednesday uh, for four Wednesdays, there's three and a half, four hours each class. The first one is they basically teach you about, you know, how to write jokes and how to look at your life. And, OK, come back for week two with five minutes of material and you're going to do it in front of everybody. Wow, and then and then they kind of go over everything with you, and and your your classmates are all supportive because they're in the same boat, and everyone talks about you know what they liked and what they thought you might be able to say better, and then uh, and then you come back for week three and do the same thing, and then week four you're at the Comedy Underground in Seattle, and you know your forty classmates each bring ten people, and you know you got all those people there, and and basically you just do your five minutes on stage for the first time ever. And, and when I did it, people said, oh, it's, you're used to being on stage. It's just like the same thing, right? I'm like, it is not the same thing <laughs> no. at, at all. <laughs> like, wow. was, I don't think I've been that nervous on stage for years. And I think that was really good for me. So uh, <laughs> since then, I've done open mics and I've, I've, I've returned to the coffee cellar once. And, and it's something that I, I really enjoy doing. It's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of just like competition with yourself, you know, yeah. it's, it's not loading in amps and it's, it's, you know, you're not worrying about the lights are going to work or, or is your monitors loud enough and all that stuff is great, but it's just part of what I do, but it's just kind of you on mm-hmm. your own and timing and storytelling. And so what's really done for me personally, it's made me a lot more comfortable in between songs on stage with Kirby Crackle. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I was kind of searching out. So, um, you know, I've got to meet some great people doing that. And it's so exciting to hear 
how people do their own comedy. Everyone's different, right? Everyone has a sure. different approach. Everyone has a different life experience. And it's very, uh, it's very inspiring for me to see people just going for it like that. So when I'm around that kind of energy, it's really inspiring for me to get reinvigorated about what I do, both with comedy and with music. So uh, it's allowed me to look at things in a different way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and it's pushing me. So that's exciting. That's that's very very cool. Um and you know just the way that you describe it sounds absolutely terrifying. I mean like, you know, I uh, I I talk into a microphone uh with a varying degrees of skill and the, uh-huh. and the prospect of that yeah, sounds absolutely terrifying but also thrilling and exhilarating at the <clears> same <throat> time, you know, kind of uh, uh stripping things down back to basics because I I like you were saying, you know, I I would imagine just all of the things that are in your head with uh, the mechanics of doing a show, you know, like, is this amp connected correctly? You know, how, how is my instrument tuned? You know, all of that other stuff. And yeah, just being on a stage by yourself with uh, with a mic stand, a bar stool and and a microphone with uh, the lights bearing on you. Woo wee! I you you might be a braver man than I. I don't uh, uh, that that just sounds very scary in 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 a well, good you, way it, it is scary and i know you could do it that's the thing anyone <laughs> anyone can do it and i'm i'm fully convinced of that after having taken that class twice and and i think it's just you know people who who have never been on stage in their life went up and just acted like they've been doing it for 10 years yeah. and it's just the things that in the moments as we know with people that when you have to rise to the occasion in a moment you will do it and it's pretty it's pretty great to see all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. And that uh that brings up um uh the next couple things I wanted to bring up. I um I saw you had uh retweeted a uh, post from Dan Slot where he uh he had posted uh something about basically like don't let age hold you back from you know like trying to uh uh, do a creative pursuit and and I saw that I mean um, and, and that and that kind of resonates with me personally you know kind of mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of getting into uh, some uh, uh, creative pursuits maybe a little later than than other folks might but between that and what you're talking about with regards to uh, your stand-up and trying new creative things um, I, I I really like the the theme of just um, you know trying to push yourself and do new creative stuff and you know add add those new wrinkles to your brain that uh that that sometimes yeah. sometimes we kind of forget to do because it's it's easy to um get complacent to rest on our laurels um mm-hmm. but yeah yeah it's it's always good to shake things up um but what i wanted to ask you about is um um it's it's kind of a three part question. I think we we've talked about this in past interviews because um, you know you and I have been uh, uh, talking on and on uh, on and off for the last couple years now. But yeah. I I, I want to ask you um, again what your biggest challenge as an artist is. The uh, um, the second part of that is how have you overcome that challenge? And then finally, what advice would you have? For folks uh, uh, pursuing their own creative endeavors, um, and 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 like I said, I've probably asked you these questions before, but I get the feeling that those answers might be a bit different now than they were, say, two years ago. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, man. Mm-hmm. And I think um, 
Yes. I think as people evolve, your answers become different. I know also me, you know, becoming a father two years ago really changed mm-hmm. that for me. I think that uh, one of my things that I try to work on is uh, unrealistic expectations in some ways. Sure. Um, that, uh, you know, the, one of the great, one of the Great things I feel like in terms of evolving personally about me getting into entertainment in my lifetime. I think I had a lot of illusions about smoke and mirrors and kind of what success is and kind of what oh, what okay. happiness is in terms of like reaching certain when I reach X point, I'll be happy or when mm-hmm. I have this many fans, I'll be happy or whatever like that. And how that in reality for everybody is an ever moving carrot, you know, and, and as I've seen, as I've had the opportunity to meet with people who are. Uh, you know, quote unquote, at a much, you know, more well-known level than me, like, 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 you know, Marvel actors or, or, or TV stars or whatever, these conventions, like, you know, money or fame does not happiness make, right. Which is an obvious thing. But when you see that in real, in real life, that also changes your expectation Mm -hmm. for you. That's making sense. So um, I think for me is like knowing that, you know, you're not always going to be at a hundred percent at a show. You're not always going to sing a hundred percent. You're not always going to hit the guitar solo perfectly. And in reality, no one gives a shit because they just want to be there and have an experience. Right. Yeah, like I, yeah. I kind of start looking at, in the past couple of years, I started looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, what I do versus like when I see other people, right? Like if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm doing a solo, maybe I botch a solo when I'm embarrassed. Mm-hmm. It's like, no one out there is thinking, oh, he missed that note in the solo. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. And right. just kind of chilling out and having a good time. I care more about, I used to care a lot about musicianship, and I think that's still very important. But mm-hmm. more and more I care about, is everyone having a good time? Am yeah. I having a good time? Because that translates to the crowd. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so much stressful stuff in life that when we do have an opportunity to let go and celebrate music or art, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. having a good time in that moment, I think is more important to me than anything. So as Crackle Fest, if you use that for an example, I used to be really high strung about the logistics, about how is this night going to go, or people yeah. that's going too long, or people having fun. And I've learned as I've gotten older just to trust in those eight years mm-hmm. that everyone is there to just experience whatever this is. Yeah, you know, and there's that, There's that. Um, you know, as artists, people tend to get way up in their own head, and, yeah. and it's so hard to shake that loose, and yeah. it's easy to lose perspective of what it's like on the other side of the speaker. You know, like uh, like that example you gave about, you know, like uh, um, a botching a solo or hitting a note. You know, if I if I am screaming my lungs off to my favorite Kirby Crackle song, I don't care because I'm already having a blast. So, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. I mean, I, I, I would suppose that there there's a lot of uh, letting go involved, um, you know, as, yes. as as the song goes. <laughs> yeah, recently I've been I've been reading a book that's, that's really helped me. It's called The Art of Not Giving an F, and I, I won't swear on here because I don't be kids listening. Sure. But basically, it talks about you only have so many Fs to give, right? Okay. And it doesn't mean not caring about people, or, or it doesn't mean being apathetic. It's like what what are you going to emotionally invest in that's going to make you happy in terms of like family, art, that to that to that. Yeah. So what I care about the more I do Kirby Crackle and the more I do music is creating 
an experience where someone can feel good. And that's what makes me happy. Like, does this song make me feel good? Okay, chances are it's going to make other people feel good. And so that's what my excitement and my joy comes from. And that's what I really hope I'm focusing on for this show is to, is to just create a situation and a, and, a, and a vibe where everyone's happy to be there. And let's just all have a great time. And if that happens, then I'm content. I, I love that. And uh, uh, what's the name of that book again? It's uh, called The Art of Not Giving an F. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, give them a free plug because you know what? I uh, I I think I'm going to try to snag myself a copy of that because that <laughs> that sounds like there might be a lot there that uh, <laughs> that I can relate with and I'm sure I think lot- everybody, man. Everybody. Everyone's in the same boat, especially like, you know, weird art dudes like us. It's like right. everyone's just trying to find their path. And mm-hmm. and and also too, I, you know, I I don't know if you asked if I imagine you asked me what would I suggest to other people or what would I yeah, yeah, I, I was I was going to bring that around, and yeah, just uh, oh. solicit advice, you know, because uh, you know, I I I I forget how the how the post goes, but you had posted something recently about like, uh, like uh, someone had reached out to you as someone that had quote unquote made it, and what what kind of advice you would have to share, and yeah, I was just kind of wondering what your your reflection on that would be, and what. Um, and again, just kind of what advice you would have for folks that are looking to, um, as, as they're either starting to get in the game or have been in a creative pursuit for a while and are just kind of looking to um, get more advice. I, you know, I always like to push advice on uh, on my listeners. That it's one of my <laughs> it's one of my favorite uh, portions of uh, doing these interviews because everybody's got just their own twist and their own perspective, you know, cause we're all unique in- individuals. We all have our own experiences and yeah, yeah. I've, I've gotten some really cool answers from folks. So uh, no pressure. Well, I, think it's cause, uh, <laughs> well, I think it's just like everyone's in their own lane, you know, and it's, and it's, it's something that I think I, I know I heard a lot when I was a lot younger and I heard it and it made sense to me, but I didn't feel that, you know, and I think that's also like time and age and perspective. And, and I think that this, if I earlier on, like in my early 20s, could realize, hey, you can't compare yourself to other people's careers. You just got to do your thing because this is you against you and enjoying the moment. I can see moments that I might have enjoyed more because you're going to end up at the place you're going to end up no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. You can worry about it and wonder why you're not achieving X success when someone else is. But also, you don't know what that person's going through. So I think everyone has their own lane and, and trying to, you know, hustling is great, but then there's like the downside of that where it's, where it approaches, you know, being careful about self-care and stuff like that. So I think that, you know, time is going to pass and, and worrying about things isn't going to make things better. So people can just do the best they do and evolve as, as artists and, and whatever hustle you're involved in, in my opinion. And, and that is going to, you can always improve on your own success and that's really the only thing you compare success to is yourself i think yeah i i completely agree because i think um people spend way too much time and effort and wear and tear uh comparing to others you know it's like uh you know x y and z is having this kind of success um, I should be having that kind of success as well and and just the the way how fragmented entertainment is anymore 
those those comparisons don't necessarily hold water. You know, I, I think like you're saying, you know, find your lane, stay in your lane, be true to yourself and just, you know, be the be the best you you can be. <laughs> not to not yeah, to sound yeah. too it, uh Dr. Philly there, but And it and it does because it's true, right? I mean I think it does like if if you yeah. look at if you look at anyone who is in there, you know, who's been in entertainment forever and ever and ever or, or any kind of work, that kind of anxiety dies down. And not only if you just become super famous and you've had whatever, quote, success you feel like you've reached and you're, you're, quote, unquote, happy because of that, but because I just think people realize over time that that's not one of the things that matters. And so I think that's where they kind of come up with the phrase, youth is wasted on the young, where, yeah. where if you could have that perspective as a much younger person, it, I would just think it would just be amazing for mm-hmm. people. And I struggle with that all the time too like i'm giving this advice knowing that i don't do that a lot of the time but on my best version of myself when i can do that you know a couple times out of 10 then i always feel better about what i'm doing yeah definitely and and this has been getting in touch with your feelings with kyle and mike Uh, on mike sider radio (laughs) no no it's good stuff man i i really appreciate the insight um well uh uh before I let you go, let's uh, let's talk about. I I hear a rumor that you have a new song in the works that might be available before Crackle Fest. Uh, I'd like to see if I could pick your brain on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you hear her first with Mr. Mike that uh, we got a I got a Black Panther song coming out um, that would not be out of place on the official Black Panther soundtrack. Oh. Uh, so it's kind of a different genre that I've done in the past. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's called It's Good to Be the King. Okay. And uh, it will be coming out in a week and a half or so. So uh, mid-February. And um, if it's uh, if people like it, then maybe we'll see that at Crackle Fest. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, just like, you know, I kind of like got the hair standing up on my arm, just like uh, Peter Parker in that Infinity War trailer. Uh, just mentioning that because <laughs> that, uh, I mean, one... Who isn't looking forward to Black Panther? I mean, I think this is going to be a capital I important movie for so many reasons. I mean, like the timing literally could not be better for a film like this. And I agree. And just when you said that, I got chills. I mean, it's like it's a, it's a thing that's happening with this movie at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like somehow, somehow all of the stars aligned and clicked into place where like this is this is the perfect piece of art at just the right time. And and yeah, you know, I think um, I I think one thing that that Marvel has really been ushering in is kind of uh, um, uh, reviving the age of the soundtrack movie. You know, I, I yeah. mean, obviously they were successful with the uh, uh, Guardians movies and the Guardians soundtrack, which uh, you had the opportunity to be a part of uh, back in the day for the Guardians uh, uh, cartoon show. Um, yeah. But the uh, the Black Panther soundtrack, I think that's that that's that's going to sell millions of copies. I mean, the stuff that Kendrick Lamar is doing with that and how that's going to uh, uh, tie into the movie, I I think I think it's just great. I think it's just yeah, and he's the right artist that they picked for that. It's the right artist at the right movie at the right time in the world. I mean, and in terms of everything that I hear through the grapevine about the movie, mm-hmm. um, both from you know online stuff and and people within who have seen it, is it's next level, game changing, and what it does for representation. Mm-hmm. I am very excited about. I mean, obviously, I've grown up with a bunch of heroes just looking like me my whole life, right? right? 
But 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 the young boy, the young girl that is looking for that representation, I think it's badass that that exists now. Yeah. And I think it's great for for culture, and I think it's great for self esteem. And I'm really excited to see what that does for for people that have been underrepresented in this genre and and movies in general uh, with positive role models. So I say good on Marvel, and it's just it's one of my one of the top ten things I feel like is happening in the world right now, if not yeah. number one. absolutely absolutely yeah so the song is just my way to insert myself in that energy and be excited about it and i and i think people are gonna like it i've been working on it for the past two weeks and i wake up with the chorus in my head so if that happens it's a good thing i think so we'll see what happens very cool. Well, we have been talking to Kyle Stevens, the frontman and mastermind of the pioneers of nerd rock, Kirby Crackle. The show is Crackle Fest 8, a night of nerd rock and comedy presented by Emerald City Comic Con. That is going to be Friday, March 2nd at the Hard Rock Cafe in downtown Seattle, just two short blocks away from the Comic-Con. Doors are at 8 o'clock. Show is at 8.30. That is a 21 and over show up in the Cavern Room. Uh, Kyle, this has been a lot of fun. Dude, thanks as always for your support (laughs) and for having me and looking forward to seeing you and all your listeners to the show. Fantastic. And uh, one last thing, could you remind folks where we can find your music and how can we connect with Kirby Crackle out on social medias? Yes. So the main hub for Kirby Crackle is kirbycracklemusic.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Kyle Stevens, Twitter at, at Kirby Crackle. Uh, at, that's a, my handle, Kirby Crackle Music, on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, I'm all over the Internet. Uh, also, there's a Patreon fan club that I've been running for now for three years where, where uh, members get two exclusive Kirby Crackle songs every month for only four bucks. And, uh, yeah, just trying a lot of different things, connecting with, with different people on the Internet, live stream uh, our shows, and uh, having a lot of fun. I invite people to be uh, included in the celebration of fandom and song. Oh, man, very well said. Thank you very much. And uh, lastly, but certainly not leastly, were there any particular shout-outs you wanted to give? Anybody, anybody you want to give love to that we haven't mentioned already? Anything, anything else that you might want to promote? Well, yeah, you know, I think I mentioned the, uh, we talked about everyone that's going to be in Music Alley, Rock, Paper, Cynic, uh, Lucia Fasano, uh, Mega Ran One Day, I believe, uh, and then the PDX Broadsides, of course, Death Star. I uh, just encourage people to check out all these acts and, and kind of taste the rainbow <laughs> of, 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 uh, of all the different flavors of nerd music out there. Um, and, you know, everyone's doing this for love uh, of the genre and connecting people and having a great time. So if that's what you're into, I think you're in for a treat. Oh man, I, I'm I'm really really excited. Um, uh, you know, check out the Music Alley area on the sixth floor of the Washington State Convention Center while you are at Emerald City Comic Con celebrating 16 years of being the premier pop culture uh, convention in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, obviously, check out Crackle Fest Eight as we had already mentioned. Um, it's a man. It is a good time to be a fan of nerd music. Yeah, there's lots going on, and I uh, I know it's only going to get better, so that's only a good thing. All right, Kyle. Well, uh, I hope to um, talk to you sometime in the future. I will definitely see you uh, somewhere around the way on um, on convention day and as well as at the show. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks a lot, and have a good one.
Coming up next on Mike Seibert Radio is a tune from Kirby Crackle perfect for this Valentine's season because, as we know, modern love is complicated. It's true. Um, And our Netflix and DVR-based world has redefined what it is to be a loyal partner. Don't be the one to skip ahead. This is The New Infidelity. show we hadn't seen together yet we used to sit around and then drum the intro the vikings while the neighbors watch us through our window mondays they will always say we're true detective but now i sit alone wondering where those days went i can't believe you watched me found me what were you thinking i must be dreaming i don't know who you are it's the new infidelity my broken heart you went and watched the show you promised that you wait to start That 
was Seattle Nerd Rockers Kirby Crackle with their single, The New Infidelity. That track is available for purchase and streaming on the Kirby Crackle Bandcamp page, along with their full albums and other sick jams. And again, Kirby Crackle's website is kirbycracklemusic.com. Now let's keep things going and head back to the phones and talk to our next guest. Hello, this is Mike. Hey, Mike, it's Lucia. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. I uh, I just talked to Kyle Stevens from Kirby Crackle, and we were talking about Crackle Fest Eight, uh, which uh, which you are going to be a part of. And um, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm I'm so excited to be here. I've loved um, you know getting to know you on Twitter and seeing you <laughs> over you know the times that we have been on Twitter together. Um, I'm. You know, the internet brings everybody together. It's brought me and Kyle together too, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm super excited about Crackle Fest. Excellent, good times. Now, uh, now I know you're just getting over a cold, but uh, again, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out today. Um, so let's uh, let's start with there. With uh, um, have have you had the occasion to play up here in Seattle before? Um, I haven't. I, I also do comedy, so I've um done some comedy shows before, like a comedy on trial at Jai Tai. Um, I've done some shows with El Sanchez uh, in, um, in blanking what it's called, but I've been on, um, I've done a couple of shows in Seattle, just never okay. music. And so I'm really honored to get the chance to come out and play at the Hard Rock Seattle. Like that's very surreal for me. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> you could even get a t-shirt that says Hard Rock Cafe Seattle. <laughs> Exactly. So, very, yeah. very cool. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm stoked to get to know you uh, a little better, um, and uh, definitely uh, welcome to have you on the Crackle Fest lineup this year. That's uh, um, uh, I I just talked to Kyle a little bit ago, and a lot of exciting stuff. So uh, you're going to be on the bill along with Mega Ran, as well as uh, the pioneers of nerd rock, Kirby Crackle. And I don't know if you heard this or not, but um, uh, Kyle has. Uh, recruited some local comedians that will also be doing like in between set um, uh, comedy and stuff. That that should be really I really heard. cool. Yeah, that's really exciting. Is you know I, I love all of it. I think the the more we have chances, uh, you know, to see different genres and different things than we're used to, the better. Like that's always been a thing for me. Is like I I love to book um, comedy shows and add musical guests or vice versa, especially with the nerd world where, like, mm-hmm. often, you know, like, a lot of um, people that are fans of nerd music don't always, like, get exposed to local comedians that sort of match their sensibilities, you know? Like, a lot of yeah. nerd, like, a lot of people often feel victimized by comedians, and so I think it's great to, um, you know, have comedy shows where, like, you're not going to be the butt of the joke. You're yeah. going to be welcome then you're probably gonna like feel included and be like oh my god they're just like me you know <laughs> definitely um well You're talking about batman <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's like i love batman jokes exactly <laughs> so yeah I'm, i i'm really i'm really excited i've uh, i've attended the show a number of years and it always uh it always blows me away how um uh, what new stuff uh, they bring to the table and how it just gets uh, bigger 
bigger and more exciting every year. And this year, um, they uh, the show is being presented by the Emerald City Comic Con uh, itself. It's always been kind of like uh, kind of like the unofficial nerd rock show and concert for the um, uh, for the convention. But this uh-huh. year, for the first time ever um, in 16 years of Emerald City Comic Con and eight years of Crackle Fest, they they have officially combined it their forces and it's uh it's really really exciting wow i'm I'm so excited about that there's going to be like a whole um you know alley of nerd musicians at the fest and i was just uh, i'm so glad that emerald city comic-con is getting in on that Yeah, it's it's very cool. Now, uh, speaking of the uh, the music alley area, um, when I was talking to Kyle a moment ago, he uh, he mentioned uh, that you might be popping in uh, from time to time. Is that uh, is that correct? Um, I may. I have. I don't um, have a table just because my with my day job, there yeah. wasn't enough time to coordinate uh, being able to you know come in from Portland and set up and. Mm-hmm the extra time but i'm still going to try to make it in um my label mates from double clicks records the double clicks is record label that they started um Mm -hmm. to help you know fund nerd bands um the pdx broadside they have a table i just saw their banner they just posted it online and um they're amazing so they're definitely if you if anyone listening wants to learn about my record label double clicks records they can stop at the PDX Broadside's booth and check out their music. And, yeah, so I still feel like my soul will be there. Yeah. Regardless. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I uh, I saw that PDX Broadsides was going to be there. And, you know, I think you got a preview of some of my questions because I was going to ask you about <laughs> Double Clicks Records and, and some of your work with them. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very, very cool. So, um... So I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because, like, you know, <laughs> wanted, uh, wanted to make sure that uh, folks knew that you will be part of Crackle Fest and we, uh, we can come out to the show and, uh, and listen to your groovy jams. But I'd like, to take, <laughs> I'd like to take a step back a little bit and um, can you talk about your music uh, kind of um, uh, specifically kind of like um, I, I know I know artists always kind of uh, struggle with this one. It's the one that that uh, musicians kind of dread. But what uh, what genre would you consider your music and how would you describe it for folks that may not have experienced it yet? Oh, thanks, Mike. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely I started out playing indie rock and, and sort of folk music as well. And I. You know, when moving to Portland, I got more involved in musical comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have uh, quite a few songs. Like I have uh, my Mad Max Fury Ode, which is <laughs> an ode to Furiosa because I love her so much. Um, that's on my YouTube channel, and I also have um, <clears throat> quite a like a couple of comedy songs. So you know, I I love to write comedy songs. I love to write. Uh, songs about nerdy things even Mm -hmm. if I'm getting serious like my song Winter is Coming on my uh, first album Radio Silence so it's like that's about you know inspired by Game of Thrones uh, but in Song of Ice Ice and Fire but it also is just you know it still is personal and it's still um, you know serious and so I I would say that I write um, folk music and I write uh, rock music and punk music, um, most 
of the time and predominantly um, I've been compared a lot to like Regina Spector and other um, musicians like that. Uh, But I, so I still like, no matter how much I try not to, I still um, have some songs that are nerdy or that are Mm -hmm. funny. Um, But mostly my songs are personal singer songwriter style. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And that, that's how I would describe it as well. It's kind of like the, the singer-songwriter folky side of nerd music. Um, that's that's where... You're welcome. That's uh, that's kind of where it resonates with me. Um, but I would also like to talk about what, um, uh, what kind of influences you've had and what inspired you uh, to make music in the first place. Um, well, I grew up in a very musical household, just with, like, my dad singing all the time, and I grew up on, like, um, The Phantom of the Opera, Nightmare Before Christmas, so I always had that, um, you know, love of musicals and theatrical songs. But then I also grew up listening to, you know, my mom is very into, you know, like, 70s punk mm-hmm. and stuff like that, so mm-hmm. I also listened to, like, Patti Smith and Jim Carroll and maybe songs that weren't, like, fully appropriate for me. Um, <laughs> even, like, um, you know, and Warren Zevon, my mom's, like, favorite singers, Warren Zevon, who did Werewolves of London, mm-hmm. um, and songs like Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. So from a very early age, I was listening to songs about, like, <clears throat> vengeful mercenaries uh, <laughs> that become ghosts and, and kill people and cut their heads off, etc. And so um, I guess I see why, like, on my first album, I have a song called Little Bell that's about being mm-hmm. buried alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like my mom is an Edgar Allan Poe scholar and my dad made horror movies. So it's like oh that does somehow in my writing. Um, so... <laughs> It's like I, I was listening to those, and I also listened to a lot of, you know, like Simon and Garfunkel or, you know, like Leonard Cohen and Melanie, who wrote, um, uh, you know, Brand New Key. So it's mm-hmm. like I, I love the, the sweet songs and the beautiful songs, but I can't fully stay away from the dark aspects, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've always been songwriting since I was very, very little. Mm-hmm. And singing, of course. Right. So um so you're uh, predominantly a singer-songwriter, but you uh you play a number of instruments, right? Um I do. I I've been tra- I was I was um, you know, vocally trained, but um and did a lot of singing in high school and stuff like that and like jazz choir. Um and I I couldn't play an instrument, which was really a bummer. I really thought that I never could. Um mm-hmm. When I started my first band, Shady Characters, um, with my boyfriend, Kyle, who's featured in Nerd Boy, and we collaborate on a bunch of stuff, (laughs) Kyle was predominantly the one, you know, putting music to my songs, which is still limiting. You know, it it opens the door to new directions the song could be, but you still can't just go be solo, you know? Um, So... When my grandma passed away, we drove to Florida, like cross country, to go check out her house. And there was this mm-hmm. mandolin that um, she had bought at like a swap meet for my grandpa because she thought like that he knew how to play it. And he was like, oh, I don't play it. He sounded like the penguin from 
the old Batman TV show. Yes. So he's like, exactly. He's like, I don't know how to play this. So um, she just had this never played old mandolin. And I was, you know, sad and going through changes. And I just started strumming on it. Mm -hmm. And I was practicing neutral milk hotel songs. And I was just somehow able to play instead of the times that I had taken piano and guitar lessons and it never stuck. Um, and from then it really translated to now I can play ukulele and now I can play guitar. Um, and so it, it has unlocked other instruments for me, like piano more so. And, um, you know, just trying to translate the things that I'm used to doing with my voice and mm-hmm. with vocal harmonies and percussion into just like beating on things and <laughs> blowing on things. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that, uh, thank you. It's like I'm still like, I play instruments? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like th- that sentence ends with a question mark. It's like, I I play? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> there are so many things that like you don't realize that like you can totally pick up. I won't say later in life, but just mm-hmm. like, you know, you never know what's going to be <laughs> yeah. another to- tool in your arsenal. I don't know, weapon in your arsenal. <laughs> You know th- that could go either way. You know, you 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 do you. You mix those metaphors all you like. You know, you can have uh, you, you. you can have tools in your arsenal and weapons on your tool belt and all all, all that stuff. All that stuff. That's right. <laughs> but but the point of that is, yeah, just you know, go out and chase your dreams. Don't let anything don't let anything stop you. Just you know, invoke the spirit of Shia LaBeouf and just do it. You know, just <laughs> that's what I always say every morning in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> do do you like the hand thing where you're like you know jabbing into your palm and then doing like the like the flex thing too? You know? and then, and then oh, there's yeah. a burst of flame and just all that. really every everything that Shia would do. <laughs> all of that. Oh man, well that's uh, that's very sweet. Thank you, uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, let's uh, let's talk about your album. Let's uh, uh, your debut album uh radio silence um um i put that out um so let's see if it's 22 i put it out um fall of 2016 um from double clicks records mm-hmm. and i will have copies and merch including tote bags and shirts for sale at crackle fest so i'm really excited about having those copies um we were able to do the kickstarter and get some right. you know really nice albums with cd booklets and stuff like that wonderful you know and i i don't want to slip into too much of a tangent because i totally could but yeah i mean uh-huh. i i i'm a physical media guy you know it's like i mm-hmm. i i i love having well I, i'm also kind of an autograph hound so it's like uh-huh. you know i like when uh artists um especially independent artists they bring merch because that gives me something to buy but it also gives mm-hmm. me something to get autographed so um so that that's awesome that you had a, a successful kickstarter and you were able to uh, uh bring some exclusive merch with you for for us all to purchase at uh, at Crackle Fest 8 Thank you i i love to hear that i'm totally the same way and i grew up with you know my parents being collectors of, you know, comic books and sci-fi yeah. memorabilia and music, and I'm totally the same way. Well, I mean, one one of my one of my most prized possessions is my uh, my great grandmother had a set of Columbia House VHS cassettes of the original Star Trek show. 
I don't even wow. I don't even own a VCR. I don't have anything to play them on, but I will never give up those tapes because I mean there's you know I mean the the thing with with physical things is you know and maybe this could be a whole another meditation on on uh, stuff, but mm-hmm. but I mean stuff has memories and weight and significance to it in a way that intangible media might might not. Um, it's true. Oh, there's a there's a song um, by one of my songwriting heroes, Amanda Palmer. Mm-hmm. Um, she's from the Dresden Dolls. is married is is married to Neil Gaiman, um, but she does have a new song um, out from the last couple of years called "The Thing About Things." Oh, okay, which is basically what you just said. So anyway, oh, totally recommend it. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't think I've heard that. I got I gotta check that out. Very cool. Yeah, she- She's amazing. <laughs> Sweet. Now, um, so are are there any particular stories or um, anything you would like to tell about the uh, uh, the making of your album, Radio Silence? Um. Well, um, I'm. You know, I'm. It's it's funny because I just finished recording my follow up album. Um, oh. That it is uh, that I'm. You know, going to release within the next year, uh, most likely. It's the plan. Um. But uh, yeah, when I, I recorded that, my first album, it had, um, you know, a lot of songs that I had sort of accumulated over the years being a college student and playing with my old bands, too. And, um, you know, uh, my, my dad passed away and I was just like, there is absolutely no reason to not be recording an album, <laughs> especially because. So many of these songs carried those pre-losing-him fears oh. and sadnesses and just, you know, um, all of that, like, uh, it's sort of a time capsule mm-hmm. to a, a time and person that that doesn't exist anymore. And not meaning my dad, meaning sure. me. Like, I, um, I'm not that person that's afraid of losing him. I exist in that post-world. Um and so I was like, I, I don't want to have a buildup of, of songs that stop, you know, meaning something or just don't connect anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose those songs. Nerd Boy was actually the, my most recent song that's on that album that I recorded separately okay. with the double clicks um, and that we had mastered and put onto the album um, closer to the release because I actually recorded radio silence in 2014 um okay and it wasn't until meeting angela and aubrey and the double clicks that i sort of figured out how i how we wanted to release it um so it it is it is it's still relevant and it also captures that time and that feeling then um and uh i so i record so i recorded it with um, my partner Kyle McCormick, mm-hmm. multi instrumentalist, nerd boy, <laughs> um, and um, I had met the producer of the album, Larry Crane, from uh, Tape Op Magazine and Jackpot Recording Studios. Um, I met him at a comedy show that he and his wife Jenna Zine put on, um, and I was I walked into the studio and I saw all these. <laughs> records on the wall like Elliot Smith and the Decemberists mm-hmm. and she and him and quasi like all these cool bands and he made those records 
Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, could, uh, would you be interested in recording my album? Um, and he was, he was totally interested. So we went into the studio together, um, with Kyle and Mm -hmm. made the album and, and he plays bass on a lot of the songs Larry does. Okay. Um, and, uh, he's just an incredible bassist. He was in the nineties band vomit launch. Okay. Um, (laughs) so it was awesome to have him like reprise his his bass playing um and uh that's kind of the story behind that before um bringing it to angela and um you know releasing it Mm -hmm. very cool that's 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 a great story (laughs) (laughs) um so uh uh, while we're while we're kind of on that topic a little bit you've you've mentioned the uh the great folks in the double clicks you've uh you've done a lot of stuff with them not just uh musically but you're you're doing some other stuff too right like some uh uh, web series and some youtube videos and whatnot yeah um it, it was great because when angela and i um we we met a couple of times in Portland, but when we started collaborating, we were writing for a local live late night show in Portland, mm. and we talked about like, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a little like talk show ourselves, basically? <laughs> and that kind of um, is sort of like Pee Wee's Playhouse mixed with I don't know Broad City mixed with you know like just sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah. what we would want to watch. Um, <laughs> So uh, Angela and I started making um, Caddy Bees, and that was before we collaborated with anything musically. Um, I'm on their most recent album um, doing some backup vocals for Sensitive Badass and (laughs) Extra Gin. Um, But it was like we both were making music and we both were making comedy or we were doing it separately. So like, let's make some comedy together. Mm -hmm. Um, So Caddy Bees, we have like, I think like 15 20 episodes, I don't know, we have quite a few episodes. We haven't made any in a while, but um, there's still lots to watch where we talk about, um, you know, fashion, and we talk about uh, representation, and we talk about apocalypse and periods (laughs) and um, lots of things. And then uh, when Angela made it clear she wanted to, because she's a Kickstarter genius and master, that she wanted to help release my album, um, she started directing music videos for me as well. So my music videos that are online for nerd boy and save me. One of my most punky songs on the album, Mm -hmm. um, they're made by her and she's an awesome director. So, um, really like, um, getting to do that and having Aubrey like produce and play on nerd boy. Mm -hmm. Like those are her backup vocals, um, has been just, totally a dream come true as a collaborator oh that that's rad yeah i yeah. uh i uh i i love the double clicks i've, I've seen them uh, a couple times uh once at a previous crackle fest uh so yeah i've always uh always really uh. dug what the, what they've been about and uh and what they do and and it seems like down in like the portland area there's kind of like this whole burgeoning independent nerd music community that's uh that's got going on there you know between uh, uh yourself and you know double clicks pdx broadsides and uh, and a handful of others um it's interesting because like there's there are a couple bands performing nerd music here in seattle but i don't think Mm -hmm. we quite have 
that um, that much of a community like you guys have uh, have down there. And I, I, I just think that's really cool. I mean, because it, it, it's kind of funny because like um, and, and I hope this doesn't come across as uh, um, uh, untoward or whatever, but it just it, it's when I when I see uh, Portland uh, nerd music performers, I instantly think of Portlandia. It's like it's like you guys are like the most Portland thing that has ever Portland, and I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, um, especially since I have been on Portlandia. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I was going to ask you about that. Um, so how how was uh, how was that as an experience? Um, it was really cool, and and you know, there's a lot of controversy about Portlandia if, if you're a Portlander right. which I totally understand and I'm not from Portland I don't get to make that call <laughs> um, and uh, I'll definitely speak to what you were saying about the nerd community here too because it's, it's really special um, and, and Portlandia um, was a really special show and it did it does feature so many comedians um, from Portland like over the years so you really can look back and be like, there's Ron Funches, there's Ian Carmel, right. you know, yeah. you can see those people um, getting little roles in the show. Um, and I'm honored to have had a small role as LASIK girl in season six and um, like getting to perform with Fred and Carrie was really surreal because the script is very bare bones, bare, sure. you know, <laughs> and then they just improvise over it. And so like, I did not know what to expect in the scene. And suddenly they're improvising at a mile a minute and are just brilliant. <laughs> so <laughs> right? it feels, I, it's like to anyone that would criticize Portlandia, I totally understand. But when it comes to like the sheer talent of like watching you know, how fast Fred and Carrie can improvise and how skillful yeah. and hilarious it was. I was just, I was totally blown away. Oh um, man, that's, that's yeah. gotta, that's gotta be terrifying if you're not ready for it. It's like, you know, I, you know, you're frantically just flipping through blank pages, like, um, um, um. <laughs> None of this is in the script. Yeah, yeah. line. And, and I, exactly. And I, and I, I was definitely pretty intimidated and, um, I wasn't able to see because I had LASIK goggles, fake LASIK goggles on. Um, so I really was blind and I couldn't tell if they were talking to me. So it was extra intimidating. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I, I got to go back and check that out. Yeah, it's it's surreal. My hair is green. It's the episode called Tada. Okay. That is on Netflix. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome. And um, And, yeah, there, it's interesting because... When I was um, living in L.A., it was when The Nerdist was starting out. Oh, sure, and yeah. It was, and so, like, I'd go see Chris Hardwick, I'd go see Jonah Ray, I'd see Matt Myra, like, and, you know, you could just talk to them and hang out with them. Mm -hmm. They weren't at that level um, that they became, and I still felt like, oh, you know, I wish that that all the nerd communities are more connected. And I moved to Portland and I was like, wow, the double clicks are so cool. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, but then you still see, and there are so many great nerd performers, like Mega Thruster is such a great band. I love um, Mega Thruster. They, they are great. Yeah, <laughs> they're next level and they're the nicest yep. guys. Um, but like, I still 
I wish that, and I wish that all comedians and musicians and nerd folk in Portland were connected as mm-hmm. much. Um, because to me, I see Seattle as like, wow, what an amazing scene, you know? And, um, I, you know, got to perform with Shubzilla and she blew me away. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and then Emerald City Comic Con is this huge force. Um, but I still, I try with my work to bring uh, these different people that might not have known about each other or collaborated but would love each other. I try to bring them together. So it's like um, there's so many great comic book shops, like the ones, you know, featured in the Nerd Boy music video, yeah. like Bridge City Comics. But then my friend runs a feminist, all-inclusive comic shop called Books with Pictures. So I did a show recently where I had my friend that makes a card game called Pitch Please, like oh. her do a play test and then the PX Broadsides play and like none of them had ever been in the same room with each other, you know? So I just wish that all the Harry Potter nerds in Portland could hear Mega Thrusters yeah. have to be a Hufflepuff. Like how do we do that? And people like you help, you know, bridge mm-hmm. that gap. Um, but I just want, you know, more of that. So being someone in the Portland nerd scene, you know, and when I, I got to perform at Rose City Comic Con mm-hmm. last year, which was so cool. Um, but it just was like, how do we get all these people to know about each other and support each other financially or just show up to shows, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that the local newspapers could definitely do more to make that happen, you know? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I tell you, Lucia, one of the one of the things that that I do is I, I you know, I do uh, uh, several interviews much like like this one. And and mm-hmm. I I talk to a lot of bands that are in uh, uh, not necessarily nerd bands, but, you know, like the, they're like rock bands or or whatnot. And and that's kind of the the common theme again and again is trying to uh, get that interconnected community. And like we wow. we have we have a we have a really good independent music scene in uh, Tacoma um, mm-hmm. where like it's it's basically kind of what you what you're describing, you know, like they go to each other's shows you know are constantly promoting each other on social media you know, and and uh something you alluded to you know reaching out to other media outlets you know like doing radio interviews uh networking with podcasters uh, getting on uh you know, like independent press you know any any of that kind of non-traditional out of the box type of stuff just to get out there because you know out there there's there's so much I mean, and and there's so mm-hmm. much noise, and it is so difficult to stand out. And the thing that I see as kind of a uh, a broadcaster and a radio personality is that when folks stick together and kind of uh, uh, stand out as a group, that uh, that really kind of seems to help uh, draw attention. Like you know, like the the example we were just discussing was you know kind of the the Portland uh, uh, independent nerd music scene where it's you know I mean it's it's kind of like a thing unto itself, and that kind of helps it stand out. And you know once once you all. all 
all you really need is a hook. You know, it's like once once you're connected to a scene, then it just kind of, you know, explodes from there in terms of uh, a new music discovery and, and getting to know everybody and all that. But that's that's what I always encourage folks to do is just just network. You know, it's like if if you play um, acoustic nerd music, find somebody else that also plays acoustic nerd music and by your powers combined you know you know then you find other folks and yeah next thing you know you've you've built a community and i think that's kind of kind of the way uh things are in the music industry now and that it's you know it's kind of these independent uh communities kind of looking out for each other and i i I think it's really great totally And, and i think that you know um you know sticking together and then not seeing it as you know, oh my gosh, but you know, if I support this band, people are going to buy their CD and not my CD. It's like, that's not how it works. You're not actually competing against each other in terms of, you know, in terms of music or in terms, you know, it's like maybe you're both going for one gig or something. Sure. That's something you could compete about, but like, it's always a plus and, and it's hard when you feel like an imposter, not good enough or feel jealous. Yeah. That, those are all so normal in, you know, I've encountered that so many times in the music and comedy world where it's mm-hmm. like someone gets a great opportunity, gets a writing job or on a TV show, and it's as if it's cutting down other people. And it's never cutting down other people because those people have the power to lift everyone else up and say, hey, check out my, you know, like you like my podcast, check out my friend's podcast. You Absolutely. Know? And, yeah, and that's what's you know so sweet about what people like Kyle um, mm-hmm. Stevens has done, you know, like with me, or what Angela's done with me, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and and not feeling threatened of like, oh, you know, it, it, instead just thinking like more can come to the party, and and I, I'm really really grateful because I know that my music isn't the same as Mega Ran or Kyle, and mm-hmm. it's like I, I, you really realize that that's a strength, and. Um, I've been working more um, in the comics world. I'm writing a comic for um, an anthology for Image. Oh. And I love comics so much, but I just before I got that opportunity, I was telling myself, well, I gave up on comics. Like, I'm not, I'm working so hard on music right now. There's no way I'm going to be able to work in comics. And it's like, sure. that is what got me that opportunity was the people I met from my music um, where, you know, mm-hmm. like we want a new perspective from somebody that writes poetry and music. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and so it's like all these things that make you different are your strengths and make you stand out. It's like the fact that, you know, Christian from the PDX Broadsides also is, you know, writes comic book reviews and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And Jessica from the PDX Broadsides is a scientist, you know, like, you don't have to be a hundred percent like committed only to that one thing you do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you like you have to have your community, but I definitely a strength. It, it, the fact that you that you know Portland does have a reputation with their nerdy music scene. Yeah, um, is definitely because some of us get are more involved in comedy. Some of us are more involved in comic books. Some mm-hmm. of us are more involved in 
you know, the indie movie scene and I, that's it. Or some are more involved in the pirate community, you know, like, <laughs> because, because, so it's like all those people add up, um, you know, some people are more involved in like the, you know, feminist bitch magazine community. Sure. I don't know if I could say that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, you're fine. That, that's the cool, cool part about a podcast. You, you could say whatever you'd like. No, nobody's going to take uh, us to radio jail. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. Very nice. I mean, and even podcasts, like people, some people's favorite, you know, musicians or comedians have come from podcasts versus, you know, hearing it on the radio or on TV. Like, that's really cool to me. There's like no rules, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But you know, I I gotta I gotta uh, something you said earlier make me squeak my ste- sneakers. So I got I gotta stop a sec. <laughs> you, did you mention a pirate community? <laughs> uh, Tell me yes. more. <laughs> well, it's funny because I definitely would have said that before living in Portland as well. It would have been like pirate community, <laughs> but now it just feels so normal. Um. You know, there are so many pirates in Portland, you would not believe, and not just people that steal things. Um, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but um, a lot of the people I've met at some of these great nerd shows, they basically identify as pirates. Um, they go to, you know, big festivals that are basically like a mixture of Burning Man and the Renaissance Fair, but it's doing pirate things where they just go out into the desert and, like, dress like pirates and live like pirates. Um, Okay. And, uh, you know, sort of cosplay as pirates. I won't speculate more because I don't want to be insensitive to the pirate community. Um, But, yeah, like, so you, I've met a lot of people that are either pirates or, like, wizards in the way of, like, um like more the Harry Potter type of style of wizard versus sure. like pagan, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, okay, I get you. Yeah, Portland is definitely a place where you can find a subculture and really live in it, you know? <laughs> that's, so that, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks for explaining that. Now, I, no problem. I, I have no idea how to segue out of that, so I'm just going to go for <laughs> it. I just, I realized <laughs> that we've been talking all this time and I haven't, um, I haven't asked you about spec script yet. Uh, would you like to like uh, to talk about that? I would love to talk about that, especially because we were talking about podcast, podcasts, talking about nerdy things, right. um, and talking about Kyle. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I um, I mentioned my partner Kyle McCormick. Um, he and one of my best friends, Chris Hadami, which is spelled K H A T A M I. Um, they started a podcast a year ago um, called Spec Script. And a spec script is something that you write um, usually like an episode of an existing show in order to get TV work. So it's like if you're trying to get job writing on Big Bang Theory, you might write um, like a Parks and Recreation pilot, you know, or episode. Um, So you can show, hey, this is how I write in another person's voice, kind of. So Kyle and Chris have already been podcasters for years. Their podcast, Reboot, Reuse, Recycle, 
which to any movie nerds or even TV nerds out there, Reboot, Reuse, Recycle is like a super fun podcast that they host with lots of fun guests like myself and mm-hmm. Hutch from The Thermals, um, where they talk about a movie like Total Recall, yeah, and then they talk about the reboot, um, and they watch it with the guests, you know? So it's really funny, really like has that sort of MST3K and Flophouse kind of vibe. So they, so you know, they're huge pop culture nerds. Mm-hmm. They love movies, um, superhero stuff. Yeah. Um, and Reboot, Reuse, Recycle was um, the third best podcast in Portland recently voted. So oh, they're doing cool. great. And they started SpecScript last year um, as a live show where a comedian writes an episode of a TV show that they haven't seen. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so it's on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher. The first episode, which was released exactly last year, um, is the Big Bang Theory, and I play Sheldon. <laughs> so you can hear me and my Sheldon voice. Um, so it's it's an episode of Big Bang Theory, but um, the author does not really know much about Big Bang Theory other than the basics and what they've kind of gleaned from you know, hearing about it, you know? Yeah, because I, um, I wonder I wonder how much, like, of a uh, a cultural osmosis that's there. Because, like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I have never seen, but I can actually kind of speak to, you know, again, just kind of through that, that, that pop culture osmosis to where, you know, oh, that shirt says Bazinga on it. I think that's a thing from that show. Exactly, and that's what makes it, so fun. Um, the second mm. episode was The Walking Dead, and um, it also features Dino Stamatopoulos, who um, created Moral Oral okay. and uh, plays Starburns on Community. Yeah. Um, so because there's <laughs> such a great little comedy scene here, they've been able to get comedians when they're coming into town. So there's also Ron Lynch is in the Gilmore Girls mm-hmm. episode. Um, and he's been on Bob's Burgers. He's a great comedian. Um, so, like, um, so um, there's been so many awesome episodes that are all online right now. And um, I wrote the oh, and then Angela Weber of the Double Clicks mm-hmm. wrote a Frasier episode. Okay. And it is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Like, because it feels. Just like an episode of Frasier, <laughs> and it's about like Seattle versus Portland. Like Frasier and Niles are getting in a fight oh over gosh. Portland. So there's so many great Seattle jokes and Frasier jokes, and um, it's just amazing. Like I, you can't believe that it was written by Angela because you're like, <laughs> this is just an episode of Frasier. Right. It's so funny, and she hadn't seen it. And the dad. You know, may he rest in peace is just called dad and the dog, I think, is just called dog. (laughs) Love that. It is so funny. Um, So I got the pleasure. And when we're recording this, it's the night of the show, but hopefully it'll be on iTunes Mm -hmm. soon. Um, We're recording my Star Trek Next Generation episode tonight. Um, And it's going to be really fun and uh so I, I got to write 24 pages of Star Trek without seeing it. <laughs> oh, so you, of so, Next Gen. <laughs> so you've never seen an episode of Star Trek Next Generation? 
I haven't. Wow. But, I've been, but the cultural osmosis is so right. strong. Right. And, you know, like my friends love it. And so I always am hearing them talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a strength that I have so many friends that have talked about it. And it really influences how ridiculous it is. There may be some <laughs> characters from the original Star Trek, which I have seen, that pop in. Uh, into the episode. Yes. Um, but um, for for um, for anyone listening, if you want to mm-hmm. subscribe to Specscript's podcast, um, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be ridiculous, and um, it's gonna be basically the next generation in the style of Degrassi, the next generation. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Take my money. <laughs> that's I need it. That's that's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah, Angela uh gave it the Star Trek Next Gen fan seal of approval. So ah. I'm glad that it passes a fan's <laughs> test. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, um, okay, so let's let's curve things back around as we as I kind of try to steer the boat a little bit. Let's let's doing a great job. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Let's uh let's let's turn it back and uh, uh talk about your music a little more. Have um um do you uh do you perform um, do you perform frequently uh, just as a, a musician? Like, do you play, like, uh, uh, local clubs? Are you part of that scene at all? Or um, I don't know if you've talked about um, uh, performing your music live very much. Yeah, um, I am performing it. I, I decided to focus more on music in the past um, year or so um, versus, like, stand-up comedy. Um, mm-hmm. Because it it does take so much focus to, right. um, you know, be hustling. So I um I play lots of shows in town, um, and I took some time to record my second album with um, Hutch Harris of the Thermals, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite bands, and then Jessica Boudreaux of Summer Cannibals, another one of my favorite bands. Um, so that that album is primarily. Um, you know, rock and songwriter stuff, but I still have some references to Watchmen and stuff like that. Nice. <laughs> because I couldn't possibly not, you know. Um, and uh, so I'm uh, playing some shows, at, uh, doing a record store day show in April in Portland. Oh, cool. And um, usually it's just me with. Um, like a mandolin, a ukulele, and a guitar that I kind of switch out, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and so it's intimate, but it's really fun. And I uh, sometimes I play with a fuller band, which I'm planning for Crackle Fest to be playing with, um, to be playing with Kyle. Okay. So, um, so that's pretty exciting. And we'll probably have, like, some drums, bass, you know, and kind of switch out, uh with the first album, I did try to keep it really um, as sparse as I could so that I could sure. play everything live the way it sounds, basically. Yeah, yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, so the second album is, you know, is less like that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> they all trans- they all totally translate. Um, so I try to, you know, I still sometimes crack some jokes because that's just a part of who I am. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, I like we get pretty pretty intimate, pretty deep on stage. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I. It's definitely like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Very cool. So of of that then, so um, uh, what are your favorite songs to play live? Ooh, um, that's such a cool question. Mm-hmm. Especially because I've been playing my newer songs um, lately. Um, so I'm really excited about those. They're probably, my newer songs are probably my favorite ones because they're so um relevant to how I'm feeling right now. I have a song about body image. I have a song about, um, you know, some friendships that recently ended. And so it's pretty cathartic, you know? Um, but, uh, some of my favorite songs to sing live are definitely F, which is the second song on my album, Radio Silence. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's very sad and intimate and it kind of, gets the attention in the room there's sort of this somber yeah. everyone's listening and everyone's feeling the song because it's very simple and quiet and it builds you know yeah um uh haunting is the word that i would use in, in a good way meaning like it, 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 it gets your attention and yeah it uh it churns up the feels that that is a that is a deep song i uh i i really really enjoy it but yeah it's a it, it, it could be a tough listen sometimes too it's just like ooh ooh what what's this churning up you know <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you so much it's still i'm still in that phase where it's just it's incredibly delightful to hear that anyone has listened to my music so <laughs> so exciting um i also i love to play little bell that's the one about being buried alive Mm -hmm. um i did a show recently called show show in in portland where they animate like whatever is being performed um so i performed f and this artist victoria wells made a whole back backdrop projection Mm -hmm where the letter F kept repeating behind me and like sad imagery and like old photos. And then I did little bell and there was like a picture of an eye in a box that was like staring out. It was super freaky. Yeah. I was like, I was glad I couldn't see it while I was performing. (laughs) I would get freaked out. Right. Right. Uh, (laughs) And, um, but little bell is so much fun because people, I really am always trying to sort of fight people's expectations of me, you know, whether it's, you know, you're not nerdy enough because you're a girl or, right. oh, like one of my first times performing in L.A., I was compared to Enid Coleslaw from Ghost World. And it's like just from my appearance. And it's like uh, I'm so much more than yeah, yeah. Enid Coleslaw, you know. So I'm always trying to sort of break these kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, judgments at yeah. a glance and so with little bell it's fun because it starts off you know like oh this is just a sweet folk song on a mandolin and then it becomes very dark and then i'm basically kind of screaming or like mm-hmm. bellowing you know and it gets really loud and that's very fun to sing live i think i might do that at crackle fest because ah. it kind of freaks people out in a good way um, it, it gets pretty intense <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that that's so that definitely is really fun to play. I love playing Radio Silence, which is my title track on the album. Mm-hmm. Um and uh Nerd Boy is so much fun to play. 
especially because I can get people singing along too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Very cool. So that's really, and, and I love to, you know, have people laugh, like not laughing at you, of course. Oh, sure. But, but with you. Um, mm-hmm. So Nerd Boy is so much fun to play because people will start to hear and get the jokes throughout it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, clap along and, um, you know, some people have seen the music video and stuff. So it's, really um a favorite and i'll i'll definitely be playing it you know at the show (laughs) very cool now um now with that being said do you um uh do you perform covers or do you just stick to your own stuff um i do perform covers and it's funny i i guess i write so many songs that like i haven't built a huge repertoire of Mm -hmm. covers um but i uh with my band Shady Characters, um, which we have music online, um, you know, the first thing on our band camp has a cover of 500 Miles. Um, oh. And because that song is just so much fun. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, I, so I, there's a free download of 500 Miles online. Um, and we would do You Oughta Know. Okay. Sort of a more punky version of it. So I love singing Alanis Morissette and like <laughs> screaming Alanis Morissette, you know? Yeah. And um lot but still recently I'll do like I did a cover of There She Goes, like There She Goes Again, you know? Hmm. And then I sort of mix it with um Femme Fatale by the Velvet Underground. Like I kind of transition into it. Um, oh, get out of here. I, that I really sounds like, rad. That sounds things. so cool. I, I want to record more covers. I, I would do that, and I would do um, I would do the Violent Femmes, mm-hmm. Blister in the Sun, and then transition into Boots Are Made for Walking. Okay. Oh, um, and then back to it, you know, which is really fun. So now you're making me think about wanting to do some covers. Hmm. well and and part of the reason why i bring that up is because okay so uh this is kind of maybe a a self-indulgent question for myself Uh as a kirby crackle fan and for all the other crackle Uh heads out there now as as you as you most likely know you know uh uh kyle stevens has done a handful of songs on ukulele and and one of my uh very favorite kirby crackle songs is in another castle and it's uh, you know it's a ukulele ballad about Super Mario always not uh, you know like you get to the end of the Mario levels and it's like no you're a uh, princess isn't here she's in another castle and yeah. so, and since I've discovered your music I always thought that that would be a really cool cover like if uh, if you busted out the ukulele and uh, and did a little Ooh. in another castle that that would just that that would that would give me all kinds of fan feels so I'll just uh, I'll just I'll just plant that idea seed right there and uh... that is an amazing <laughs> idea. I wonder if he has. I I feel like I know the guy that knows the chords to that song too. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, right. thank you for uh, bringing that. Up. <laughs> 
Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah. And, and again, as I said, I mean that that's one of the uh, uh, one of the the things that I get to enjoy as a podcaster. Sometimes it's like that one's for me, <laughs> you know, because because we're all fans. You know, we're all fans at the end of the day. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm I'm here, you know, providing a platform to help promote the show and to get to know you, and you know, hopefully, folks will uh, go out and seek out and check out all of the stuff that we've been talking about. But yeah, I mean. You know, we do it because we love it. We do it because we're fans. And, yeah, every, every once in a while those self-indulgent uh, flights of fancy come out. So uh, thanks for indulging me on that one. Definitely. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I- and you're, you're so right that we're all fans. You know, like that's a really nice way to put it. I think people lose sight of that a lot. I think so. I, I, I think so. I think we we all uh, um, occasionally spend a little too much uh, time up uh, up in our own heads. Like, you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, drag us on too much of a, a tangent because I know we're <laughs> starting to run short on time. But like I um I, I didn't care for Star Wars The Last Jedi when I first saw it. Um, and a lot of it was because I was just so in my own head um, about what I thought I wanted, what my expectations were. And, and I've still got some issues with the movie. I saw it a second time. I've still, I've still got my sets of problems, but it's, Mm. it's not, it, it, it was not as bad the second time through, but, and again, if, if I could, you know, step away from my, uh, voracious, passionate fandom for a hot sack and just kind of, you know, take it for what it is. I, I mean, my, my point being is like, you know, like, I mean, obviously uh toxic fandom is, is definitely a thing. I mean, you know, look, look at the whole Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce thing that, and all that. Oh my gosh. You're so right. Um, but I, I think as, as, passionate fans as we are we could probably do to take a step aside and take a breath every now and again (laughs) yeah i i was actually thinking just this morning how like you know people that have that have been really frustrated with ryan johnson and the last jedi i was thinking about how those people if they got to hang out with ryan johnson They'd be like, oh, my God, you're Ryan Johnson. Like, let's talk about it. You know, like, it's like, yeah. Absolutely. You know. I, I forget um, I, I forget what comic strip it was, but it was uh um oh man, I'm gonna remember as soon as I sign off with you. But there's a there was a comic strip, it was collected in one of the uh Tales from the Con, uh Emerald City Comic Con uh comic books that, that was uh, uh that was published. And basically it's a person saying like, um, oh, you know, I hate this, I hate that, I hate you, you know, kind of ranting against what was happening in uh, in their favorite comic book, and cut to they roll up to that person's table with a big beaming smile. Oh, I'm a big fan of your work. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah, and that that's exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you're uh, you're absolutely spot on in uh, in that assessment about uh, hanging out with uh, with Ryan Johnson. Um, <laughs> well, so as as we uh, as we start to wrap up, I um, I do have a three part question that I like to ask every. A musician and performer and artist uh, that um, that I have on the show. Um, the the first prong of that is uh, what has your biggest challenge as an artist been? The second part of that is how have you overcome that? 
Um, and uh, thirdly, and most importantly, my favorite part is what advice you would have for people that are looking to uh, pursue creative endeavors. Oh, um, well, definitely, like I mentioned about the uh, instruments, that's a very basic, like, you never think you're going to do this and it's going to keep you from doing all the things that you dream of and want to do. And for me, playing music or, you know, performing in general mm-hmm. and getting the stories I want to tell out in the world. Um, and I, I'm still learning all these lessons for mm-hmm. sure. Um but, uh, you know, my biggest impediment has definitely been my own mind, and my own insecurities mm-hmm. and, you know, being in a relationship in the past with someone that didn't support me or, you know, make me feel like the things I have to make or say are, are worthwhile, you know. Um, and so and, and just, you know, jealousy and insecurity and thinking that everyone is better than you and blah, 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 and not really getting that everyone can be a part of the party, you know, and, um, and, uh, just sort of getting past all of those things that make you too afraid to even write a song or make a podcast or send someone a message and just say like, Hey, would, would you be interested in, in listening to a song I wrote or Hey, you know, um, getting pat, like, the fact that I used to be too afraid to sing in front of people mm-hmm. and just a few years later I can go up and totally make a fool out of myself or totally, <laughs> um, you know, sing a song. And, and it translates into my day job of people will ask, like, how are you able to go? Like, your order is up, you know, like, yeah. and not be shy. And, and it's like, because I, I think even the most confident seeming people are really... Um, you know, all have those insecurities, all are afraid mm-hmm. of seeming foolish or like no one cares about them um, and like they should, shouldn't should even try. Um, and so I'd say the thing that definitely separates me from past me or people that are like, I can't believe you do any of this stuff is I do have, you know, I do believe in myself. I do believe that my stuff should be heard. <laughs> and maybe mm-hmm. that's you know, maybe that's ridiculous. Maybe it's all terrible. Who knows? Like, but I, it doesn't matter because I'm doing it. And I feel right. my advice to people is, is your work or your ideas or your dreams. They're, they're not doing anything or helping anyone if you keep them to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you want to be a writer, write something, even if it's really short or even if it's a Star Trek parody <laughs> and, put, and put it out there and share it with your friends. Um, and ask your friends to support you and to share it. Um, cause that's really what separates someone who does things from someone who wants to do things. Um, and, and yeah, and maybe it'll work out in, you know, no matter how many years in the future. And it, and it doesn't matter how many people, like just the fact that one person, you know, sees you and appreciates that it makes you an artist or it makes you a, uh, you know, closer to your dreams. And yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Very, very, very well said. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Lucia Fasano, she will be on the bill at Crackle Fest 8 along with Mega Ran and Kirby Crackle, um, <laughs> a, 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 as well as uh, some local comedians. Uh, that is going to be on 
March 2nd at the Hard Rock Cafe in downtown Seattle, just two blocks away from the Washington State Convention Center, home of the Emerald City Comic Con. Um, this is a uh, this has been a real pleasure getting to know you. Thank you. It's been, the feeling is mutual. Thank you so much, Mike. <laughs> You're very welcome, and before we let you go, uh, let folks know how we can get access to your music, where we can find you on social medias, and anything else that you would like to promote that we may not have mentioned yet. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lucia, L-U-C-I-A underscore Fasano, F-A-S-A-N-O. Um, You can also find me on Patreon if you want. For as little as a dollar, you can subscribe to special previews and exclusives of all the stuff that I'm making. So I'm on Patreon as my name, um, and you can buy my music or listen for free on uh, Bandcamp.com, as well as Spotify, iTunes, uh, Amazon. You know, if you want to order a physical copy of my music, you can on Amazon and CD Baby. and uh, yeah, and you can find the podcasts I'm on, um, like Spec Script or Reboot, Reuse, Recycle. Um, and my web series is Caddy Bees, which you can find on YouTube or at c a t t y b s dot com. Magnificent. (laughs) Very, very cool. I've got a lot of uh, stuff to catch up on. (laughs) Yeah, same here. (laughs) And and before I let you go, were there any other uh, uh, shout outs or any folks that you'd like to give love to that you may not have mentioned yet? Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, I would love to shout out um, the River City Podcast Federation. It's uh, Portland's podcast network that features those podcasts I mentioned, and also a ton of other great podcasts. Um, The name of the feminist comic book shop that is awesome to visit when you're in town. There's a whole X-Men wall, um, a Days of Future Past wall, um, (laughs) uh, called Books with Pictures. Um, So I definitely want to shout them out. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think that's the people, you know, the new Mega Thruster album is, super awesome so definitely check out uh check out mega thruster too awesome so, yeah very Thanks. cool well i i'm i'm very excited to uh meet you in person on uh on friday march 2nd at crackle fest 8 that's uh that is going to be a killer show with a killer lineup it's going to be a whole lot of fun i uh i literally can't wait <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I literally can't either. We just have to hold on. Hold on. <laughs> exactly. Just, just for a couple more weeks. <laughs> We're almost there. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited to meet you. It's going to be, I'm so much, even more excited possibly than I was before. <laughs> Well, that's wonderful. And and again, uh, uh, feeling is more than mutual. And thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much, Mike. And live long and prosper. <laughs> Same to you. And make good choices. <laughs> that's right. Brush your teeth. <laughs> I love it. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Uh, Coming up next is the title track from her debut album. Here's Lucia Fasano with Radio Silence on Mike Seibert Radio. Radio. 
Radio Silence is available from Double Clicks Records and is available for streaming and purchase in a variety of places, including those Kickstarter-funded physical copies that Lucia will have available at CrackleFest. And again, that is all happening at CrackleFest 8. It's a night of nerd rock and comedy happening Friday, March 2nd at the Hard Rock Seattle, presented by Emerald City Comic Con and features... Kirby Crackle, Mega Rand, Lucia Fasano, as well as local comedians Caitlin Duffy, Scott Cavassos, Joe Curley, and Kenny Roth. That is going to be an incredible night. So much fun. I'll be there as well, and I would love to see and meet as many of you as possible. Um, I'll be the chubby guy with the increasingly graying beard right there in front, belting out the Green Lantern's Oath along with everyone else. It's going to be a blast. And that'll do it for this week's show. On next week's episode, dropping next Tuesday, my guest will be Jason Halverson, a.k.a. Tony Stark from Costume Characters for Causes. He'll be talking to us about how you can get your picture taken with your favorite superheroes and help local pediatric charities along the way at the CBC 4C photo booth returning to the Family HQ area of the Emerald City Comic Con and featuring the best cosplayers in the Pacific Northwest, including Batman in Seattle, Abby Sue and Jericondra, The Omnis, and more. Plus, we're going to learn more about the Funko Prototype auction that will be happening online during this year's Emerald City Comic Con to benefit the Good Times Project. I'll include a link to the auction preview site so you can check out all 41 of those one-of-a-kind prototypes generously donated by the Funko Art Department. And uh, and uh, not to get too far ahead of myself, but you're probably going to be competing with yours truly for some of those uh, exclusive one-of-a-kind pops. There are some breathtaking pieces in there. Um, all of that and more on next week's all-new episode of Mike Seibert Radio. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, the Stitcher Radio app, and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. I appreciate the support. My name is Mike, and until next time, make good choices. <laughs>